Hello, and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. Today on the program, we welcome Institutional Portfolio Manager, Ruth Ann Pritchard. She discusses why Fidelity ClearPath portfolio may be a right fit for investors and how it could provide a good investment mix. She explains how ClearPath is a multi-asset portfolio that consists of 14 suites, which help target investors' retirement and their children's post-secondary education and future goals. And in our current market environment, Ruth Ann notes ClearPath could provide a steady and value-based approach to your investments. Ruth Ann also addresses other forces affecting the markets and what the ClearPath management team are looking at, which includes inflation, labor issues, including a slowdown in hiring and job cuts. Today's podcast was recorded on February 2nd, 2023. And please note, as this was originally presented as a webcast, you'll hear references to a few charts. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada, ULC, or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. Ruthann, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. With all of the market volatility and busy lives, we think ClearPath makes even more sense for advisors and their clients. So always happy to chat. Great. And we'll we'll get into how some of the volatility is impacting the work that you're doing. But first, why don't we talk about ClearPath? Just what is it? Make sure we all understand exactly what we're talking about. No problem. So at the highest level, it's a suite of 14 different funds managed by three portfolio managers, and an investment team that collectively manage about a half a trillion dollars in target date assets. The portfolios themselves are professionally managed, they're fully diversified, and they gradually become more conservative as the investor ages. And then within the portfolio itself, strategically, we hold 10 different asset classes and actively we hold two more. So globally diversified, not only in equities, but also in fixed income. Great. And you mentioned target date. So is ClearPath essentially, you know, are they the same thing as target date funds? Um, is there any difference or, or is it kind of in the, in the same category? Yeah, it's the same category. But I mean, I think it's useful to kind of take a step back. So target date funds have really been around since the mid 1990s. And they were developed because plan sponsors, fiduciaries and consultants in the states were seeing that to find contribution, investors really weren't giving themselves an asset allocation that was consistent with their retirement goals, shall we say? So if you fast forward to today, about 90% of plan sponsors in the US have adopted target date funds for their plans in the US. And the same trend is coming to Canada. And then on the advisor side, we really see them as a flexible tool for the practice. They can be used for retirement goals and other long-term goals like buying a cottage or even education saving. And between the the fact that the asset allocation becomes more conservative over time, you can use them as a one-stop shop solution for all the assets of a client, or we've seen some advisors use it for some of the assets. And then the advisor can put their own 
investment views around the core portfolio. And either way, the result is the same. You get more time back with your clients and you can spend it on fun things or um, things like financial planning or wealth management. I mean, I mean, that's I think a lot of people think target date is simply for retirement. But you mentioned cottage, some other things. So the, how do you use it? I mean, retirement, is that still the kind of the primary use? But but are there other ways and other uh, goals that you could save for with these kinds of funds? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, they were designed for retirement. And that's because that's probably the longest goal we have. If you think about saving for retirement, right, you might start when you start your career. So call it 25. You're going to save for 40 years. Yes, we do work that long. And so at 65, when you retire, you still have 25 to 30 years of spending. So it's really important to start saving early because you have all that spending. But there are other long-term goals like buying a cottage, like buying a car, like education saving for children. So you can be really versatile with them and sort of put a client maybe where they are on their risk tolerance spectrum. And then ClearPath does the rest. It rolls down and becomes more conservative and diversified as you get towards that goal, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I wonder if you could talk a bit about kind of the trends maybe in the advisor space a bit. Um, it does seem, you know, these kinds of funds are becoming more popular. I mean, you kind of, you mentioned it before, just freeing up some of the time for the advisors, but it's not just sort of freeing up time. The whole industry is shifting a little bit more to this holistic planning, not just investing. How does this kind of, um, you know, help advisors maybe and the industry kind of move forward into something that's different based on current client needs? Yeah, I think it goes back to the market environment we're seeing today. So yes, you can use it for a variety of different things and it can help you in your practice a bunch of different ways. But the bottom line is the markets are really volatile. And, you know, putting clients in a professionally managed portfolio, I think gives them some comfort that um, they're getting all the resources that Fidelity has to offer globally. And then, as I said before, you can kind of use it to express, uh, use it as a core and then express your own investment views around it. Great. And so you do find that when, you know, in the practice sense, when advisors use these funds, they, they do have more time to kind of focus on, you know, client communication and all those sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, we all invest in them because we want to get that professionally managed advice and give ourselves a little bit more time to manage the assets for others. Right. So let's let's talk about how this actually works. So um, maybe explain kind of what goes into ClearPath. How do you actually create these? Um, what is sort of the the fundamentals of this of this uh, product? Sure. Um, I think the first slide might be a good one to actually pull up. So this is a pyramid that we use to sort of talk about how we generate investment return, and it's probably the most important slide to remember because it's got all these different facets to it. At the bottom, you see research. It's the foundation of absolutely every decision we make, and every decision is rooted uh, in research. The big part in the middle, that's the glide path, and that's driving the biggest part of the return. So call it 80 to 90% of the investment return. And when we're creating it, we're using a very long-term horizon. And the goal here is to create the most diversified and resilient portfolio possible. And then the blue cap on top is the other 10 to 20%, and that comes from active management. And there are a couple different components to active management. So the first would be active asset allocation decisions that we make 
where we can overweight or underweight the different asset classes that are in the glide path based on where we see value. And for these types of decisions, we're no longer using that really long-term horizon. We're using an up to five-year or more intermediate-term horizon. And then the other part of active management is active security selection decisions, and those are being made by the portfolio managers of all the different underlying funds. So managers you know, like Max Lemieux and Will Danoff and Ramona Persaud, we have a lot of Fidelity's great managers. Great. And so when you're actually, you know, the, the asset allocation in these funds, how does that look? You mentioned before there's a variety of different kinds of assets in this. Um, talk us through that. First, there are kind of three pillars that we live by when we're developing the glide path. So what are Canadian investor needs? Who is it that we're designing these for? And what risks do they face along each part or each phase of their life? And then second is diversification. What are the asset classes that we believe will bring independent sources of risk and return to the portfolios? And like which ones are going to zig when others can zag? And then lastly, the capital market views. What do we think we can get out of the capital markets in terms of risk and reward? So if you want to bring up the second slide, um, I can take you a walk down the glide path. Yes. Yeah. If we start on the left-hand side of the slide, we start the investors off with a really high allocation to risk assets at 92% equity. So they're young. It allows them to help start building wealth and their financial assets. They really have a long career ahead of them and their wage growth largely should keep pace with inflation. And they have that really long time horizon that I mentioned before. So they have lots of time to recover from just about anything the markets can bring. But even here, we don't have them in 100% equity. We have them in 92% equity because we also believe in diversification. And I talked about wage growth in their career and, and inflation, but what about deflation? So if you have a prolonged period where you have low or negative investment returns, that's not going to help them develop that initial wealth that can then compound down the glide path. So we also include an allocation to long-term bonds right at the top of the glide path because historically they've really helped out in uh, deflationary environments. And then as you move to the right and somebody's getting a little bit older, call it mid-career, life is a little bit more complicated. So we start to diversify and bring more resiliency into the portfolio. And then as you near retirement, so getting closer to that vertical line, you can see retirement on the horizon. Human capital is declining, probably at peak earnings. So we not only increase diversification, but we also start to introduce inflation protection. And that's going to help preserve purchasing power, which becomes really even more important in retirement. So at the point of retirement, we have 49% equity, probably pretty similar to everybody here for someone that's just retired. And we believe that a portfolio has to work really hard well into retirement to get that 30 years of spending. So after retirement, we continue to de-risk and diversify and provide even more inflation protection globally. So that provides more stability and we have short-term bonds and cash. And then the 65-year-old, the 75 and the 85-year-old all have different needs. So it just makes more sense to continue to diversify. So that's kind of the whole life cycle. 
Great. How do you how do you incorporate um, you know current market conditions like inflation? You know wasn't an issue for really for the last decade, and now and now it is. And bonds last year had their worst year on record, but you know you're still and it, this year you can get a lot more income from them. So how how do you adjust based on kind of what's happening and how maybe of the things that we've seen happen now impacted the current ClearPath portfolios? Absolutely. So if you go back to the pyramid. The big green part of that pyramid was uh, the glide path or the strategic decisions. So we don't update those very often. They do need to evolve, but they're not going to be updated very often. And then there's that little blue cap on top. And that's where we can be a little bit more nimble and think about current market environment and express our views around an intermediate time horizon. So to make those active decisions, we're following a value process. We're looking for asset classes that trade at a premium or a discount relative to our view of what fair value is. We call that inexpensive optionality, which means that in our view, there's less downside risk to holding those asset classes relative to the potential reward of holding them. So we believe that these kinds of dislocations or uh, mispricings that can occur in the market are kind of for three different reasons. Number one, there are different regimes and cycles that exist in the markets over time. Number two, sometimes investors can overreact or underreact to different news that comes out in the market. And then lastly, Investors have different time horizons. Some are strategic, some are very tactical, some are day traders, and then there's us using an intermediate time horizon. So that really gives us an opportunity to lean into those asset classes where we see value and lean away from asset classes where we don't think there is as much value. So can you, can you give us a, you know, an example, a real example of maybe something that you have adjusted in terms of that active allocation over the last few months? Yeah, absolutely. So if we want to bring up the third slide, it is our positioning today. And at the highest level, we are underweight U.S. equities. We are overweight emerging market equities and developed market international equities. We are underweight Canadian investment grade bonds and global developed market sovereign bonds. And then we are overweight Canadian long-term government bonds. So on this slide, anything pointing up is an overweight. Anything underneath uh, the axis is an underweight. We also have, I mentioned earlier, uh, sometimes we use asset classes that we don't hold strategically, but we want to hold cyclically over that intermediate horizon. And commodities are a really good example of that. So we do hold commodities and we did have an overweight to our in uh, Canadian real return bond uh, allocation earlier in the year. Um, can I ask, I, yeah, interesting, emerging markets, uh, overweight, U.S. equity underweight, um, why do we see that? So when you're creating a multi-asset class portfolio, there are really kind of four decisions or views that you have to express. One of them is equity beta. Another is the U.S. dollar, then inflation and duration. And all of those are very exciting topics these days. So let me take them kind of one by one. The first would be equity beta. Right now, overall, for equity, we're fairly neutral equity beta. We believe that threading that needle for a soft line, uh, landing is going to be pretty challenging. And we see inventories rising. We see new orders dropping. Margins are hinting at sort of starting to decline. So we're in that camp that believes that later this year, early next year, we may be heading into what we hopefully is going to be a very mild recession. 
But then if you look within the equity bucket, so we're neutral equities, but within equities, we are overweight non-US equity assets. So both emerging markets and developed markets and underweight the US. And that's because even with the drawdowns in the US, we still think that US companies are expensive relative to history and relative to international markets. If you look at the CAPE or the cyclically adjusted PE, the US is still above historical averages, whereas developed markets and emerging markets are catching up, but they are below historical averages. And I think the market is warming to that same idea. So if you look at the fourth quarter returns, including January, international markets outperformed the US handily. So IFA was up 22%, emerging markets were up 14. Canada did really well at almost 14, but the US lagged. Um, still a healthy return of 10%, but it did lag the rest of the world, which kind of leads you to the US dollar. So being underweight US equity means we're underweight US companies and therefore underweight the US dollar. And historically in an inflationary environment, the dollar goes down. Um, investors tend to go into places where there is an inflation and they call that greener pastures. But in 2022, where there was huge global volatility and uncertainty, investors, I think, felt a little comforted by being in the U.S. And with the Fed hiking, in many cases, they could get higher uh, interest rates than they could find in their home markets. But now the market is entertaining that idea that growth really isn't going to be uh, where they thought it might be. And so the economy might be slowing and a recession ahead. So the dollar is coming down. So that's why we're underweight the dollar. And then on inflation, uh, how do you view inflation today and kind of going to the future and how does it impact uh, what you're what you're doing in the portfolios? So in terms of positioning, I mentioned earlier that allocation to commodities, we don't hold it strategically. We're holding it over that active horizon. We put it in a couple years ago because we felt the market was mispricing the potential for inflation coming. And they've obviously done really well for all of our investors. And so as that value has been realized, given the investment process that we use, that has led us to trim the position more recently. Early in the year, I mentioned we had an overweight to Canadian real return bonds, but we've closed that. And it's important to remember though, that even though we've closed that uh, overweight, I mentioned earlier that strategically, we hold an increasing allocation to Canadian real return bonds and global inflation linked bonds that we feel like they offer a really important payoff to help older investors retain their purchasing power. And if you look at inflation data, yes, it seems to be slowing. Canada's now on pause. The US apparently has a little bit of a ways to go, but we think it's going to be really hard for either country to get to 2% quickly. So looking at some of the individual components, housing is front and center for everybody. Prices are falling, mortgage rates are up. A statistic I heard the other day, which is not going to be a surprise to anyone here, is that since the first quarter of 2022, mortgage payments on an $800,000 loan have risen six to $700 per month for a five-year and $1,900 a month for a one-year. That's huge. And when you look at residential investment overall in Canada, it's off about 20% from a cyclical peak. And all told, that's about 7% of the economy and a whole lot of jobs. Um, but I will say with respect to housing, it is the middle of winter. 
So you expect all sorts of slowdown and the spring housing market is gonna be really important for both Canada and the US. And then looking at labor, we think that's where the stickiness is really gonna come. It's the bulk of CPI and there are a lot of competing forces that could really impact how we think about labor. So the consumer is still pretty healthy. We may be seeing positive real wages for the first time in over a year. And the stock market, at least for the moment, is rebounding. So everybody's still confident and they're still spending. I actually heard a funny data point not too long ago. There was a survey that concluded that at least for millennials, the bloom may be off the travel rows because, quote, they went to so many weddings in 2022 that they can't afford and they don't want to get on an airplane in 2023. So I thought that was telling. But labor, now you have their employers. Companies, right, are signaling that there might be a hiring slowdown. There's some layoffs coming. And we've got some other soft forces that may keep labor tight. So aging demographics, which we all know about, that healthy consumer may not want to work as much. And if you've got higher wages, maybe you don't need that second job. Then there's the great resignation, different lifestyle choices that are people making, people are making post-COVID and those with long COVID. And then all the onshoring, reshoring, all the different clean energy initiatives. Um, all of those things can really change how we think about the labor market. So overall, it's going to be sticky in our view. Uh, but it is going to come down. Right. Let's let's just move on to uh, the, 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 you said there were 14 funds. Um, are these all just sort of, you know, uh, target dates? So when I want to retire, there are different kinds. Maybe explain kind of the options that people have. Yeah. Um, if you were going to save for retirement, you would pick the fund based on the year in which you think you're going to retire. Because that will give you the age-appropriate asset allocation on the glide path. Now, if you were going to use it for something else, like education savings, uh, the advisor might want to talk to the client about where they stand from a risk position and then place them on the glide path there, knowing that it, the whole portfolio is going to become more diversified and more conservative as time goes on towards funding that education goal. Great. Uh, why would someone choose uh, a clear path 2010 or 2015 now that those dates are, have passed? Can you pick ones that have passed and why would you do that? Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about retirement, right, somebody may have chosen this fund years ago because they were going to retire in 2015. And because we hope life doesn't end in 2015, they still have to keep on a glide path that's consistent with their time horizon and their planning horizon. So being in the 2015 fund simply means you're probably retired and you still need to have that asset allocation continue working hard for you, but appropriately for you uh, while you're in retirement. Great. And so Joe, generally, I mean, you would talk to your advisor, you'd have your plan, you'd say, this is kind of when I want to retire. You pick that fund and you just, and you just leave it. Exactly. And that's the beauty of it, right? You can set it and forget it. We don't set it and forget it. We have to work hard to make sure we've got the right portfolio at all ages. But those investors that are in the portfolios can walk away because 90% of the time, investors in the funds don't have the will, skill, or time to do all this investment management. They just don't want to do it and they don't know anything about it. And they'd rather go and do something else than spend the time to learn. From an advisor standpoint, 
you know, you've got the skill, you've got the will, but you'd rather spend your time doing something else with your clients and helping them in other ways and let ClearPath do the work. And there's also something about, you know, in, in times of volatility, when people get nervous and sell and um, which is, you know, lots of research so that investors do that. But I'm sure, you know, advisors also, you know, they're human and we're human and emotional that feel like they want to get their hands in, in a portfolio when there's volatility. So how does this maybe help, you know, keep things on track where it takes that emotions out of the investing? Yeah, I mean, I think you get comfort knowing that it's professionally managed backed by um, a firm like Fidelity. But really importantly, um, we have 22 million participants on our record keeping platform in the US. So we have real time data into what they're doing. Uh, and even in the high volatility that we've seen over the last year, 0.3% of people that held a target date fund as their only allocation in their defined contribution plan actually move their money. So that gives us confidence that we're doing the right thing. Investors are staying the course. And when you look at data in Canada, it's the exact same thing. Um, can you elaborate more about ClearPath Income? Yeah, the ClearPath Income Fund is designed for somebody who's really old. So probably 20 years past retirement in their mid 80s. And that's a little bit different from some other target date funds that you see in Canada, where the income fund is what people go into when they retire. But that's kind of the whole point of ClearPath is that age appropriate asset allocation and recognizing the time horizon of somebody that has just retired means you need to continue to de-risk and diversify because the 65 year old, 75 and 85 year old are not the same in terms of what they need and the stability in the portfolio that you wanna provide for them. Great. Um, and we got a, another question is, how is the rebalancing of the ClearPath funds impacted by the current high inflation and interest rate environment? So that goes back to kind of where we are um, in terms of how we generate return, that pyramid, right? The big green part is strategic. And we're building that so that we can have a resilient portfolio against any of these different types of markets environment. And then where we express those kind of views that I won't call it rebalancing, but I'll call it actively managed are in that blue cap. So you've got the underlying security selectors that are picking securities and credits that they believe in the market environment they're investing in are going to help them beat their benchmark. And then we're trying to select those asset classes that we believe in the current inflationary environment or the environment that we see coming up over, call it a five-year horizon, are going to help us beat our benchmark and do the best we can for investors. Just, just on, on, on maybe um, the active part of this, a quick question that I have is, how often do you meet and discuss? Is this a daily thing? Are you doing it? I mean, if you want to keep it generally, you know, on this path, you're not making big changes like maybe other, you know, portfolio managers might um, in different funds. How often are you making those asset allocation decisions? Yeah, I mean, I won't say we move it tactically. That's not what we believe the investors in ClearPath want us to do. And it's also not where our strength lies. So we use that intermediate horizon. But that doesn't mean that we're not talking every day. Actually, one fun thing that we do is set up challenge and debate. So we'll have a group of investors, a, a group of us as investors, um, taking one side of the coin, like 
Um, why should we be overweight emerging markets equity? And then we have the other side saying, why should we be underweight emerging market equities? And that sets us up for having a great discussion where we can really affirm our views uh, and make sure that we're heading in the right direction. Um, one more question uh, from Visor before we wrap up. They, they have an example of a client is looking to retire in 35 years and is investing with a growth strategy. If they choose the clear path 2060, at what point would it tip towards a conservative style versus growth? Well, it's going to do it gradually, right? So if you're in the 2060 fund, you've probably got 10, 15 more years before we're going to start to de-risk the portfolio. So what you want to do is about mid-career for this individual, recognize how things are changing, getting a little bit more complicated. You want to diversify for them and start bringing in different risk exposures for them to create that resiliency, if that helps. Yeah. Um, there's also just maybe the difference between kind of clear path and, and there's lots now of these all-in-one options that do have equities and fixed income all within ETFs, funds, um, and, and that's becoming more popular too. Um, so what is the difference between the, the, the two? Um, maybe how are they similar and how are they different? Yeah, I think the roll down is what makes it very different. So that glide path is going to become more conservative and more diversified as someone ages. So if you go into a 60-40 portfolio or a 70-30 portfolio, yes, you know exactly what your asset allocation in is at any given time or your allocation to equities is at any given time. But you also need to know when to get out and move to something else because you're aging or you're getting closer to that goal that you actually invested in for in the first place. So ClearPath allows you to just stay where you are and let us do the hard work. Great. Um, we have 30 seconds left. Maybe any last comments? Just where do you see the, the interest in these kinds of portfolios going as kind of the industry uh, moves forward? Yeah, just up. I mean, everywhere we go, the interest in a fully diversified solution like this is just increasing. If you look specifically at defined contribution plans, it's exploding in Canada. And within the advisor market, same thing. Everybody needs help in these markets and we're happy to help. Great. Um, we will leave it there. Um, looking forward to chatting again in the future, but thank you so much for doing this today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. Fidelity mutual funds and ETFs are available by working with a financial advisor or through an online brokerage account. Visit fidelity.ca slash how to buy for more information. While visiting fidelity.ca, you can also find information on future live webcasts. And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again. See you next time.